Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Am I tough enough? Strong and stable leadership. Total rhubarb. Hell yes, I'm tough enough. Shut the fridge. Not another one. It's the Politics Show Pubcast. What's up? What's up, freaks? <laughs> Says the man wearing that hat. What's that supposed to mean? You're wearing, you wearing a vest, bro. Was <laughs> <laughs> worse. Was it worse? That's a garment. Comment. Uh-huh. Yeah, where are you going later? The rodeo? <laughs> Am I right? Yes. Uh, it's actually because it's convenient for him. He has that little top pocket. Little top pocket on his vest. Yeah. yeah. In which I've, I'm debuting my pocket cam. <laughs> what, what have you caught so far? I don't know. You have to. I have to check. So far, cut to it now. And this is you get the very unique perspective of what I see during a podcast. POV, you read Campbell during the Politics Show podcast. Nice. But, but, well, because that's your eye line. That's where your eye yeah, is. I'm really small. No, no, I'm really small. <laughs> Ed Campbell, how are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Great. Tip top, tickety boo. Excellent. A little bit delirious. Yeah, you've been up. I have been up, but I'm always up. Mm-hmm. Always awake, always alert. Why have you been up? Um, so I, I did uh, cross question last night, mm. and then I got home, and then I got a call, and they said, "Oh, Ian Payne's sick." Oh, did you? Yeah, so I did one till four last night. Oh wow! On LBC, yes, just for clarity. Mm. Wow. Yeah, so quite tired. Yeah. How, did you go, have you slept at all? Yeah, I got about four hours. Oh, that's fine. <laughs> sure, that's one word. For well, it. man up. Man up, buddy. What are you crying about, pal? Oh. Yeah. So I'm good. Good. Ava Santino. Hi. What are you up to? Not very much. Why? What do you mean? I'm just asking you what you've, what you've been doing this morning. You've been, you've been touring the broadcast studios. Oh, I did. Yeah, I did Jeremy Vine. And then I just did Five Life. Yeah. Nice. Um, But more importantly, I didn't go to bed last night either. Oh, why? Because... She was listening to me on LBC. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> uh, so engaging. There was, there's works being done outside my flat. 
you know, you, talk, you heard about the crane. Yes. Um, and last night... They oh, are they connected? To, yeah, they are connected. And they forgot to switch off a generator last night. And um, <laughs> so the generator was shaking my flat all night. So it was like being in like a... Well, a flat that was shaking. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, you're the only one that feels right. Yeah, I slept all that slow. Good for you. Thanks for asking. Yeah, you got a good T-shirt on as well. Yeah, uh, uh, you've seen this before. Yeah, I complimented it last oh, week. Yeah, excellent. Thank you. Mm. It's drippy. Isn't it? Been turning out for the books, this guy. Can drip you though. Think we should get into the politics because people are getting really upset. About yeah, it. all he said before this, we need to do a tight half an hour. <laughs> We're just talking about each other's clothes and our sleep. Mm. Okay. Well, why don't you start with what you want to start with? Me. No, Ollie. We got. I don't know. No, we should. We I should think that's, do, that's, that's that's for after. We should do PMQs. Okay, that's dessert. Yeah, uh, I think people will be annoyed if we do that first. Okay. And we're in hock to the audience. I'm in contempt of them, but sometimes they're right, and I think that they'd be right on this occasion. Should we roll the clip? Roll the clip. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. I heard what the Prime Minister just said about the post office scandal. It is a huge injustice. People lost their lives, their liberty, and their livelihood and they've been waiting far too long for the truth, for justice and for compensation. So I'm glad the Prime Minister is putting forward a proposal. We will look at the details, and I think it's the job of all of us to make sure that it delivers the justice that is so needed. Mr Speaker, back in 2022, when Boris Johnson claimed he would send asylum seekers to Rwanda, one ambitious Tory MP had reservations. He agreed with Labour that it wouldn't work. It was a waste of money. It was the latest in a long line of gimmicks. Does the Prime Minister know what happened to that MP? Well, Mr. Mr. Speaker, Mr. Speaker, Mr. Speaker, what that gentleman, honourable gentleman, refers to is a document that he hasn't seen. I haven't seen and has been reported second hand in a bunch of media newspapers. But what I can tell him, what I can tell him is I am absolutely clear that you do need to stop the boats, and that's what this government and that MP is going to deliver. I, I notice he didn't deny it, Mr. Speaker. I'm not surprised. Four hundred million pounds of taxpayer money down the drain. No one sent to Rwanda, small boats still coming. It's hardly a surprise he wanted to scrap the scheme when he was trying to sneak in as Tory leader. But he's been caught red-handed opposing the very thing that he's now made his flagship policy. Which member should we listen to? The one before us today or the one who used to believe in something? Ava, Keir Starmer there. Um questioning Rishi Sunak about his immigration policy. Yes, so Starmer started with, in 2022, Sunak said Rwanda was a gimmick. So that was what was, uh, that came out in a news report. So apparently when he was, before he was, um, when he was about to ascend to the position of leader, he wanted to do away with Rwanda altogether because he thought that it was just a bit of fluff, which is also what Dominic Cummings has called it. Um, Starmer also dropped a cracking line, which is that... Um, Sunak used to be Mr. Change. He's now Mr. More of the Same. And soon he'll be Mr. Nobody. Yeah, I thought that was good. I thought that was pretty good, I that. Mr. Nobody. I liked um, as well. He he He's boasting, well, Britain's breaking. 
So that was good. Mm. But, but we did get a new slogan today. Did we? A new, uh, yeah. Sunak tested out a new slogan. It was stick with us to, deli- to deliver long-term change. He's road testing it. It's a bit mouthy, well, that one, isn't it? Powerful stuff. Though. Powerful stuff, and also just bollocks as well. It's just, I don't know. I think I think with all this, just, he's not playing. <laughs> yeah. He's not fucking playing today. <laughs> like, we need to stop treating that with any kind of respect because it's shit. And there's one point Starmer just listed everything that's wrong with the country. Like, people are pulling out their own teeth because they can't get a dentist appointment. And at that point, you won the argument. You get, like, no matter what shit slogan he's going to say, it's like, oh, we're going to fucking fix the dentist eventually. And, nah, you're not. I don't think that. Anyone's going to fix the dentists. It's too expensive to. But then, we'll, we'll let the people, let the people who didn't break the dentist have a shot first. Yeah, there's a, there's a real postcode lottery with dentistry though in this country. Mm. You might well, you, you've won the jackpot, obviously. Certainly have, yeah. But um, if you're not signed up to an NHS dentist, there's no chance of you getting onto one now. You really liked that bit, didn't you? Where Star just listed everything that was wrong. With I thought, the I, yeah, and I was like. Really clear. I think it really cuts through the bullshit and the kind of the pantomime of PMQs. Because at that point, yeah, the country like that's what's going to re- that's what's going to resonate with people is when you hear it all listed out. It's actually pretty frightening. All the things, all the issues of this country, that and how the country has declined under conservative government. You're like, oh, oh yeah, oh they shouldn't be in charge anymore. That is insane. And I think that's what people like. This I, I, the the one the one thing that stuck out for me was the dentist part. Because the the image yeah. of someone with like bare pliers ripping out their own rotten teeth because they because of the failure of dentistry in this country is horrible, isn't mm-hmm. it? And it's 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 happened under the conservative government, and there's no no amount of sloganeering is going to undo that. Guy phoned me up last night, said uh, this was on the show, or yeah. it was just like <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> just yeah. the chat. <laughs> yeah, the bit we were explaining. On the last episode, where I was just in my sleep answering calls, <laughs> it was one of them. Um, yeah, it was. He was blind. Um, he was entitled to free dentistry on on the NHS, um, but but missed it. Um, couldn't couldn't get an appointment, and so just went into the garage and got a pair of pliers. And uh, Gee, yeah, that is to... fucking awful. Mm. That can't be good for you to do that. No, I don't. Did oh. you not get dry socket or whatever it is? Yeah. So um, you want sockets to be wet? You do, don't we all? And apart from the electrical ones, though, you don't want them wet. They be dry as hell. Um, <laughs> eye sockets, wet, wet, wet. Yeah, yeah, but not too wet. Then you'd be crying. Yeah. <laughs> hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. 
Not another one? It's the Politics Show Pubcast. <laughs> Note to self, sleep well before the podcast. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, he, he bailed on it, actually, because he was worried that he was going to... He was applying so much pressure that he was going to just um, crush his tooth. Oof. It'd be easy if you crushed it, though, right? Because then you could, like, kind of just flick it out like a bit of dying piece. No, because it'd be nerve-ending. Yeah. It'd be so exposed. I think it would complicate the matter, wouldn't it? Yeah. You could have, you could have done the... Tied, it, tied something to his tooth and I took, chucked the toaster up. <laughs> but, they're, like, these are big adult teeth, aren't they? Is the normal thing not slamming a door? Why would you throw your tooth down the stairs <laughs> with your no. tooth attached to it? No, is it, is it, is it um, crucially not in the bar. It's in the, it's in the Santa Claus 2. I haven't seen it, I'm afraid. Oh, it's one of the best Christmas films. It's very good. There's a bit where, like, they need to get the tooth fairy, and so someone needs to lose a tooth. And so that's what the method they try, is they attach a toaster to Tim Allen's tooth, and they chuck it over a thing. And believe it or not, he just fucking flies. It's a great bit of slapstick comedy. Okay, I think we're getting a bit family. derailed here. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. We'll conceive to my favourite Christmas film in January. Thank you very much. Okay, so the big push was going off, Starmer going off on the Rwanda policy, mm-hmm. right? And off of immigration and off the general decline that Britain's been experiencing. And you think, why didn't he go off of the post office? Why, why, why don't you think he did go off the post office? Well... This is it's a sensitive one, right? Um, because, and it requires a little bit of explaining, the prosecutions carried out um, in the Horizon Post Office scandal are, were done privately, right? It's a hangover of the last 300 years when Post Office was raw mail. It was literally like a, a foundational part of the fucking British constitution, you know, the idea that you could get a letter sent in and anywhere six days a week. And the, the all the way up to the Crown Court, the, the Post Office is capable of prosecuting someone. They don't need to involve the police. They can do it themselves. So the the prosecutions that happened in the scandal happened privately. However, under the Prosecution of Offences Act 1985, uh, there is a section in that which does stipulate that the Director of Public Prosecutions can take over a private prosecution if they deem it necessary. Now, I'm not a fucking lawyer, clearly. Uh, look at me. And I'm also... Um, I, I, I'm not saying this is like got Starmer, bang to rights, but I certainly think it's an open question. The idea that, first of all, it doesn't fly that he doesn't know what happened because mm. this is this story's been going on since 2009. Mm. He's weekly first reported it since about 2011, 2012. It's been in virtually every single issue of Private Eye and there have been MPs talking about it. So as Director of Public Prosecutions, he certainly would have been aware of it. Um, and then there's a question about why he didn't use that power uh, to intervene in, in the prosecutions. Now, maybe there is a, a sort of legal explanation for that, and maybe I'm misinterpreting that piece of legislation, so I have to put that out there. I'm not saying Starmer's banged to rights on this, but I certainly think there's. I would like to see him ask the question um, how that how that relates to him and whether or not he had the capacity to sort of intervene and stop what was happening. So I suspect, possibly, that that might be why he didn't want to talk about it. Um, I think, and, and more broadly, just very quickly, it, it sort of hits on the broad themes of the scandal, right, that... The CEO of the post office gets a CBE, uh, the director of public prosecutions, who's not directly involved, but nonetheless possibly could have stopped it or in some way got it got involved. He's now not at the realm and a leader of a political party. Uh, the 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 prime minister that um, introduced the Horizon um, IT system to the post office, Tony Blair, is a knight of the realm. Uh, the post office minister, when this was kicking off, Sir Ed Davey, is a knight of the realm and a leader of a political party. Um, so... The, the, the scandal is kind of infused with the class politics and distribution of power uh, in British society. That's I agree clear. with that. And I also think there's a second prong to that. Mm. So I also think that there's a, a concern 
because Ed Davey, Liberal Democrat leader, is obviously taking quite a lot of flack for not having or refusing to have met Alan Bates the first time that Alan Bates wrote to him and then not really doing anything afterwards. The business minister before him who was in post was Pat McFadden, who sits on the Labour shadow front bench. One so, of his closest, closest confidants, yeah. Yeah, one of his closest confidants. And guess who was business secretary at the time? Peter Mandelson, another one of Starmer's close confidants. So they were in post in 2009 when that story first broke. So the same questions that are being leveraged at, at Davey could also be leveraged at them. Yeah, and I think... Ed, you mentioned um, Stephen Flynn. Uh, well, should we, listen to, should we listen to Stephen Flynn? Before? He, did, he did just say the exact same thing that you did. He did, but but do you know who said, <laughs> who said it first, my man? Well, he was listening to he, LBC overnight, wasn't he? He did. Did you make this point on LBC yesterday? Okay. Well, the SNP poll... Just admit it. ...information cycle <laughs> continues. Yeah, but uh, Stephen was in an earpiece to Ollie as he was saying. Yeah, no, I was. Re- <laughs> I, I get, I get notes from Stephen Flynn. I re- repeat verbatim what what he says to me. There's going to be a, an attack advert on Stephen Flynn of uh, Flynn in your pocket. <laughs> Are you still filming? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. What are you going to do about it? Uh, sh- should we listen to Stephen Flynn? Yeah. Sounds eerily familiar, doesn't it? Yeah, like, they did. Yeah. Um, good question though. I needed. I needed to talk about it. Actually, I'm just going to do a bit that I want to include in in the Labour thing, if that's okay. Criticism of Starmer, and I'm just going to backtrack. Sorry. One thing I want to add about uh, Keir Starmer and uh, this this immigration debate, and you know, he, he and Rishi can face off against each other and say, "I'm going to smash the gangs." No, I'm going to smash the gangs. Um, I'm going to stop the boats. No, I'm going to stop the boats. The simple fact of the matter is they can talk about clearing out the hotels. They can talk about breaking the criminal gangs. There is one very, very, very simple piece of policy making that they could adopt that would do all of those things in a heartbeat. And it's, one, it's something that the French have actually offered to do as well. And that is to set up a processing centre on the other side of the English Channel. No one is paying thousands of pounds to a people smuggler if they can walk into a building in Calais and make their asylum application there. There's no need for them to be housed in a hotel because their claim is being processed whilst they're in France. You stop all of that. The reason they won't entertain that policy is because it diverges away from the current position of criminalizing asylum seekers yeah mm. it's, too, it's too conciliatory that was offered wasn't it to Prissy Patel yeah. yeah a few years ago were you listening to me on Jeremy Vine this morning mm, nice solid I know you weren't but it's nice for one moment to think that you might have been um, god I love being on the telly love it <laughs> hit him hit him Hit him. <laughs> Hit him. Hit him. Go on. Just hit him. I'll rise above it. Um, when, when they go low, we go high, am I right? Correct. Um, oh, no, when they go low, we just go back on the telly. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, you're, you're right about that processing centre, and that's all. Two of the Carol Malone this morning. Okay, so you watched the one little clip that Sean clipped up. I have other things to do, Ava. Well, I didn't listen to you on LBC this morning. So... You didn't even know I was on LBC. I didn't... No, I, I didn't. didn't. I didn't. I knew I didn't listen because I was asleep. You did know. We get yes. it. You slept well, Ed, all right? Yeah, well, you posted in the subreddit something about it. I did. I want everyone to know. Oh, I thought that was about you going on cross-question. <laughs> that made me laugh because I was like, so crazy to man. <laughs> that makes sense, Oh, Oh, I do. 
<laughs> That's not what I meant. Can I get a clap for Great it? Great work, sure. <laughs> so why they have curtailed the Arab scheme, mm. why they why they don't allow um, people to apply from countries before they get here is because they're hoping that people don't get here and then they won't have to deal with the problem of having to process them. Mm. Sure, you go back to Stephen Flynn? Yeah. yeah. Mr Speaker, a horizon system introduced by... Tony Blair, the former Labour Party leader and, of course, now a Knights Garter, a horizon system defended by the current leader of the Liberal Democrats, himself a Knight Bachelor, a horizon system scandal overseen by a former Conservative Prime Minister who now hides in the House of Lords as a Baron. The reality is that sub-postmasters never stood a chance against the Westminster establishment, did they? Yeah. Um, Ava, what does Stephen Flynn have to say then? In the no, chamber? brother. <laughs> I can't find my notes on it. <laughs> um, no, hang on. I Reeling against it. Oh, Westminster Stephen establishment. Stephen Flynn was excellent today. It was... When is he not? What? A right head? Yeah, it's pretty good. You, um, you seem to be trying to get me to bait, debate me, but you're not. So he said that the sub-postmasters never stood a chance against Westminster. And what he's talking about is how Tony Blair was the prime minister when the PFI was secured with Horizon. Did you know Horizon was, um, and the Fujitsu computer software, that was, Japan were pressurising the UK to make the post office take that on? I mean, how ridiculous is that? And then, was, fast... I think, sorry, just it was the, it's the it was the cheapest of the three of the three contracts that were bid for it. Yeah, well, it's, it was dog shit, evidently. So you know, you really. <laughs> Wonder was so cheap. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so fast forward twenty, I can't do maths. Twenty years, twenty odd years. Um, Liz Truss signs a trade deal with Japan, and it's hailed as one of the post Brexit huge success stories. Right? What was discussed during that trade deal? More government entwinement with Fujitsu and so that's where you see some of the four billion pounds worth of contracts that are now being uh, were tendered by the UK government to Fujitsu have come from mm -hmm. it's 2019, yeah. you know you've got software there that is it's in the home office the foreign office the MOD everyone is using Fujitsu software so what the question is which I David Davis was actually the person who touched upon this at one point he said, why is it not Fujitsu who has to pay compensation to the victims? Because, because why does the taxpayer have to yeah, take on that sure. burden? I mean, what, 150, I think you said yesterday, was it 150 contracts since yeah. it broke that they've won? Um, last year, 1.3 billion in revenue, 22 million pounds in profit um, for Fujitsu. So, you know, there's certainly, I think, a very strong argument that they should be the ones footing the bill and not the taxpayer. But I guess you can't, you can go full circle on that and say, in a roundabout way, it's still the taxpayer footing the bill because we're still sending them billions of pounds for these contracts. Sure, but if we're, you know, I'm not going to say what I was going to say. If we're being fucked, we might as well, you know, I don't know. I don't know if I pay for it. Someone else should pay for it. We should pay for our own <laughs> exposed articles. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I'm always saying this. <laughs> what was very funny was Sunak, when Flynn was making the point about Westminster establishment, Sunak goes, well, don't politicise this. That was amazing. 
It's a yeah. political issue. Um, yeah, of course, of course, it's a political issue. Of course, it's political. And it's easy. Lee Anderson literally stood up not ten minutes earlier. Oh. I was like, "When will Ed Davey resign <laughs> over this?" He's like, "Oh, sorry, Mr. Sunak. Is that not the deputy chairman of your party seeking to politicise this issue? Or am, am I wrong? I don't know." It's a, it's a, it's so funny when people are like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! I know this is politics, and we're a politician, and there's a, obviously a political element to it. Obviously, everything is politics." We're being like, "Don't make this a political issue." Oh, we've done, so, we've done something historically badly. Oh, I'd hate for you to use that against me. The only one who has the moral high ground on this is Stephen Flynn, right? Because he's, as I said, he's pointing the finger at, you know, Tony Blair for originally securing the contract. So, like, the coalition government for knowing about it and doing nothing about it. And then the Tories for continuing to, to, to uh, give contracts over to Fujitsu. The SNP. Great guys. But, I mean, the argument would be that, can I just say, the argument would be that they weren't actually invited into the conversations. But nevertheless, <laughs> they weren't I'm sure. I'm sure if it had been an SNP postal affairs minister, they'd have gone, Alan Bates, get in here right now. Yeah. <laughs> Where is Alan? <laughs> um, can we very briefly, this actually doesn't pertain to PMQs, but it pertains to the SNP. And have you heard about Brian Suter? No. So Brian Suter is the founder of Stagecoach Bus Company. Oh, yeah. And uh, Hamza Yusuf has been having a series of cosy dinners with him to try and cosy up, back, uh, cosy up with him because he was previously a really big donor to the SNP, but then kind of steered away from that during Sturgeon's era and the kind of the pro Stage and coach stayed stuff. away. <laughs> yes, nice. oh, there's been lots of driving references <laughs> in this. But the thing with uh, Brian Suter is when they were trying to abolish, um, it wasn't it was something to do with Section 28, but it was basically the teach your discussion of homosexuality in, in schools. He organised a kind of rogue postal referendum, spent millions of pounds on it to try and um, to basically try and stop the discussion of homosexuality in schools. With Kim Farron still in the Liberal Democrats. Well, yeah, it's a, what? Yeah, he doesn't believe in gay marriage. If you're a progressive party and present yourself as a progressive party or government within the United Kingdom or any country really you really shouldn't be buddying up with millionaires who organize a wild cat referendum about which which promoted misery for gay children in schools i think it's it if you're presenting as if you're presenting as a progressive party then it's absolute bollocks basically so he was he was into the smp when they were the tartan tories basically and yeah as they've sort of become as they've liberalized yeah, but now Yusuf is trying to course him again. So what's going to happen with all the gender critical or the gender um, legislation? I'd be part of that anyway. I think because that was... Part 10. <laughs> in, the, in the stagecoach. <laughs> they parted in the stagecoach uh, depot. Mm. Um, no, because they, I, I think they're not going to pursue that anymore. Are we done with the politics? No. No, we're not. C- this is our one politics podcast, and it, you know, moment that we actually do politics on here. We can leave it if you like. What would you like to talk about? I was just quite interested in. Like, should we play the Anna Firth clip? Sure. Oh, that was funny. Yeah, that's not politics either. That's nonsense. What did Anna Firth have to say? It's great. <laughs> New, very large. 
large shellfish beds have been discovered in the Thames estuary, including razor clams and manila clams, both highly prized around the world. So will my right honourable friend join me in congratulating local fisherman uh, Mr Paul Gilson on, on his proactive work? And will he come to Leoncee, meet my local fishermen, so we can discuss how to maximise this brilliant Brexit bonus for Essex fishermen? Anna Firth said that it was a brilliant Brexit bonus, that razor clams had now been found bedding in again in the Thames. Um, Have you ever eaten a razor clam? Well, I was thinking more of, like, what was Brexit stopping before? What was that? Is it because there's now more pollution in the rivers that razor clams have been allowed, have been able to grow? Is that what it is? There's more shit in the river. Do they grow out of that? (laughs) What is a razor clam? It's, you know, it's really long and thin. Right. It's it's sort of, the shell of it looks almost like a cutthroat razor. Okay. Have you ever seen that before? A cutthroat razor? Fish. No, the shell. Oh, I think. And and the sort of the clam within it. <laughs> Never seen a razor. <laughs> Look at this. <laughs> and the clam is kind of like long, thin and white. Okay. And it tastes fucking disgusting. What oh, really? What it taste like? Well, it's, it's the texture of it more than anything. Really. What's the texture? Rubber leg. Yeah, the only way you'd really eat it is by chopping it up into little pieces. It's not. It's not. You like if we're talking, if we're talking delicious mollusks on the British coastline, it's not one. It's got to be way down. What is a delicious mollusk in your eyes? Regular clams would be a good start. Mussels, oysters. Get out of my pub! It's the Politics Show podcast. I'd quite like to have an oyster because they're vegan now, aren't they? They're vegan. That seems not true. I think they've been declared non-sentient by the government. So. There's like a loophole for vegans. Yeah, look, I, there is actually a really interesting ethical discussion that um, in some cases eating mollusks is, if, if the if the reason you're a, a vegan is for sort of uh, ethical animal cruelty reasons, mm-hmm. there's more justification for eating something like a mollusk which doesn't have a central nervous system and the research would indicate can't feel pain. Uh, it's essentially just a stomach, right? Well, um, why would you want to eat that? Actually, I was at lunch on Saturday and... Um, he had a he had an oyster and I did look at it and I thought that looked that looked like an oyster. oysters, I didn't know if I liked the taste of the oysters or I liked the taste of Tabasco and lemon. Mm. Well, I mean that's what but, it tastes of. Yeah, but that's, that's a nice flavour. It a bit tastes a bit like the sea. But anyway, if you're going to eat plants, for example, generally speaking, in most agriculture, there is some kind of death involved, even if you're eating a plant. So if you're eating cereal grains which are harvested by combine harvester, combine harvesters fucking annihilate whatever is in front of them, and that might be rabbits, deer, mm-hmm. birds. Um, if you really a lot of warning that comes with the combine harvester. Uh, trust me, they still don't get out of the way. It's, you, oh, about, don't tell how, me, I don't want to know that. That's how upsetting. wide and long that spinning blade mm. is. You know, if you're a oh, rabbit, I don't want to know, it's so sad. My you're in the conversation. Dying. Oh. It's really sad. Sorry to hear that. Really has it been hit by combine harvester? Huh? Has it been hit by combine harvester? No, don't well really drag it out if, if it has been. To be fair, hard hamster. It's just, it's so old now. You forgot the cancer. I think it's just old. It's It's in its third year. Did I tell you my dog? bollocks are so big. Did I tell you my family dog is on Valium? Oh, yeah, you did. That's pretty fucking punk, though. (laughs) Can you tell us what was wrong with the dog again? So it has something called sundowner syndrome, which is like dog dementia. So at night time, it gets, he gets really agitated and confused. So to combat that, they prescribed him human Valium. Human value. Human value. Well, dog value. So that means no. you could take the value. Oh, we, we, we were suggesting that my mum and dad 
um, never tell the vet the dog is dead and just, <laughs> and just keep getting the prescription. <laughs> the Metro send the Guinness Book of World Records around. It's Your not... dog is 40 years old. <laughs> oh, but his, his life is shit. He's blind, deaf, diabetic, got dementia. It's like Helen Geller. Helen Keller. Keller. I think Helen Geller was like Monica's mum. <laughs> can we talk about the funny thing now? Are you done with politics here, Well, I can be. Two stories I want to hit off. One, micro penis bass pro shop guy. What? You know the guy I'm talking about. No. The man swimming in the bass pro shop. Oh, I didn't know he did micro penis. <laughs> it looked perfectly normal to me. It's <laughs> just a normal penis. You fucking walked right into that one. <laughs> Fool! <laughs> you mean the guy with the gigantic dick in the back of the show? <laughs> one. <coughs> Him swimming in that tank. He looked so free. He did. Glorious. <laughs> yeah. That's just the definition swimming of masculine naked. joy. Swimming naked in a tran- in a, like a transparently walled pool is <laughs> so funny. There's also a fishing shop. Yeah. Powerful stuff. Yeah, yeah unbelievable. Then also the picture of him sort of Laying face down on the floor, like with his legs kind of spread apart, looking like drunk. What I imagine a, a, a mollusk looks like when it's not in its shell. Actually, there's a striking resemblance to a razor clamp. Let me tell you. <laughs> so that's number one. Number two. Please, can we talk about the tunnels? Absolutely. In New York. Yes. What's going on there, guys? It's pretty admirable structural engineering. First of all, I mean, it is impressive actually. It's it, it is impressive. Did you build a tunnel? Yeah, but I don't know if I'd survive building it. No. I think it could possibly collapse in on me. Um, My first word on this is I'd like to talk about the guy who for years was telling his neighbours and anyone who would listen that he could hear Jews in his basement. (laughs) Well, that old bullshit. And and anyone... (laughs) No, no, I think they found it because a guy reported it. It, Like, he could hear them them through the wall. I, I thought that was a joke tweet. Anyone... Anyone who imagine imagine I come into work one day and I'm like Ed, when I go into my basement, I can hear Jews. You'd be like Ollie, you're an anti-Semite. Go home. <laughs> That's disgusting. It was a very hard story to tell to friends or family who aren't like online, quote unquote online, because it sounds like you've drank like whatever that um, what's his name drinks. Who's the big uh, Joe? Not Joe Pascal. Joe Rogan. <laughs> Oh, sounds um, like you drank whatever he drank, or Alex, the, the other one. Frog water turning the blue red gay. It sounds like that. Okay, let's let's start from the beginning. So there's a video of a Hasidic Jew. Well, very, which, play it. Well, there's audio listeners as well, Ed. Yeah, but they should watch it on YouTube. Okay, I, I think we. W- I could have explained it by now. No, no, because <laughs> <laughs> they're gonna watch the clip. I like he's like this won't stand. You just made it incredibly protracted and ambiguous. So there's like a cutout in. A New York City drain, mm. okay, with and it's like a little bit larger, like than probably necessary. And I would think that was that's because of the hats, mm. right? So anyway, and this guy just climbs out of the drain and runs off, pelts yeah. off. Have you seen? Have you seen? Did you see it? Yeah, this, of course. Yeah, you know, filming the drain, and an Orthodox Jew sort of comes out, oh, yeah. and runs, and like runs away as if he's like <laughs> being caught. That's pro- that's probably how they realise. Then, then the well. Italian American cops <laughs> trying to negotiate with. We've got to empty the shawl. I don't think that someone would have reported a Jewish man coming out of a drain. I reckon that it would have been a basement guy, a basement nimby. 
That's probably what it was. I think if you report, if you see that without evidence and you phone the police, they're going to section you. They're going. They, you're you're putting yourself at the mercy of being sectioned mm. and cancelled and cancelled. <laughs> 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 the nine one one cancelled. Police, ambulance, fire, cancel brigades. Yeah. So it was explained why they built the tunnels. You'd yeah, their their main guy, and I'm going to do a terrible job of, of pronouncing this, but I think it's Reba, the sort of you know the main guy of Chabad. Yes. Um, he wanted one of one of the fun, one of the things he said before he died was that, and by the way, a lot, some of these guys they don't actually accept that this man is dead. Um, they where they thought that one of his wishes, no, one of his wishes was for them to expand the synagogue, uh, and so that's one of the reasons why but the tunnels were leading to a synagogue. Yeah. Um, but I think that there were also sort of a dug COVID time so that they could still go to synagogue. Yeah, so they could still go to synagogue during the during the lockdown. Hmm. But the Hasidic Jews were still going to um, synagogue in Stoke Newington. I'm snitching. <laughs> um, I, I, uh, I'm snitching. <laughs> Sorry. I used to live next. I've told you this before. Yeah. This guy who I used to live next to, who would never ever turn his um, heating on in the winter on the Friday night, and then so he'd come knocking at my door every Saturday morning, and I'd have to go and turn the heating on for him. You know, oh. you know, they in um in in Brooklyn they em- employ, um, like, the phrase I've been told is "goy boys," where basically because, like you said on Shabbat, they can't flick a switch. I mean, there's all kinds of rules um, around it. So they'll ha- they'll be like local sort of like teenagers who will stand in like the lobby and press the lift button and like go up with them and then open it and go back down again. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's good intercommunity relations. Because you, you wonder if there's a loophole there with like an elevator or the heating because you're only pushing the button. You're not actually having to engage in the work required to make the function. There's all kinds of... Do you know uh, what I mean? Circumnavigation for it. Like there's a... Uh, Again, I'm going to do a terrible job of explaining this, but part of the rule is like you, you can't, there's like a certain area on Shabbat which you can't leave. And I think generally speaking, that should basically be kind of your home mm-hmm. or, or um, you know, the shul. And in, and in this, and in New York, they have this like continuous piece of string which goes around the entire district, which basically they, the, the, the rabbi says means that that, no, that means you can stay, as long as you stay within the district, you stay within the continuous rope. Mm-hmm. You're, you're legit, which is kind of, yeah, there's all sorts of, trickery uh, around it do we think they should let them keep the tunnels yeah for sure yeah but the problem the problem is not that it's not like oh you can't have your tunnel the problem is that it's like destabilizing like sounds like one and the same the, thing the, the streets because you know the mole man the mole man the hackney moment yeah who who dug tunnels like in 20 meters in every direction underneath his house like his neighbours were, were like, he was a really sweet man, but like, fucking hell. Because like, <laughs> like the pavement would cave in every now and again. And, you know, regularly he would accidentally dig into like the power supplies or like, you know. That's he, so dangerous. It's, it's very dangerous. It's actually quite a good tactic for incredibly low-grade terrorism. Like if you if you say you want something to get changed and you have the power to just disrupt your street's electricity, that's pretty decent. That's, that's a pretty good form of protest. Yeah, but you could just go to the fuse box, couldn't you? But then you're seen. The Hackney Woman had, had, had the power of ground <laughs> to, cover, to cover his action. He had the power, the power of, of God. Out. Yeah, he had the power of a god. Uh, he was the face of a mole. <laughs> he was Mother Earth. 
I don't know how true this is, but I someone replied to my tweet being like, he then got put like in a high rise flat. <laughs> <laughs> then he turned to the air. <laughs> he built several bridges <laughs> from the high rise. He's just an architect. Just turn these men into architects. Are you guys familiar with the rooftop Koreans? Yes. From the Eden riots? Yes. No. There's some really cool photos from the LA riots of basically the Korean lads. Uh, they all took to like the roofs of their shops with high powered assault rifles and were like, Come on then. If you want to defending there. Yeah, if you want to fuck with our shops, let's have it out. Um What were just shooting at them? Well, I don't actually I don't think they re- it really kicked off. It was more like don't. So they didn't get You wouldn't with. try that, would you? I, I don't think you would. To be honest, yeah. Um but anyway, uh, after the pod I'd recommend the, the photos are incredibly cool. Yeah. Um yeah. Who wins in a pitched battle? The rooftop Koreans or the tunneling Hasidic? Can I, can I make I think it's really obvious. Go on. It's the Koreans because they have the high powered assault rifles. So yes, but if the guys are successful in tunneling and getting into the building, the first few who are sort of coming up, charging at the Koreans on the roof, oh, they're, they're, yeah, they're done. Yeah. <laughs> but then how do? You, but if it's a numbers game, the tunnels can't help you. What do you mean it's a numbers game? If there's like twice as many of you as there are rooftop Koreans, <laughs> like yeah, half of you will get leaded, but eventually you'll get to them. No, you won't. Well, because they run out of ammo. Either that suggest- yeah, either they'll run out of ammo or at that kind of range with a rifle. No chance. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sean has just said they could collapse the shop from underground, which I didn't reckon with. I think it also that's depends. no great terrorism. It also depends if they're having to dig the tunnel from scratch under fire. Because if that's the case... <laughs> so yeah, they're fucked. They're fucked. <laughs> then... <laughs> <laughs> that big ass is just getting leaded. Help me. Help me. Do you have a view on that one? No. <laughs> in our, one of our recent hypothetical thought experiments about who would win in a fight, someone who has training in fighting dogs DM'd me. God, yeah. And advised me on how, how one does fight a dog. But if you're being attacked, not not just... You don't go to the park and initiate. No, you, you'd be foolish to initiate. But the tactics would remain the same. Yeah, they would, but don't go to Hampstead Heath and initiate mano a mano combat. Mano a canis. No, there's way more dogs in Brockville Park. <laughs> Apparently, you offer your weak you your weak arm, mm-hmm. your weak hand. So if you're right hand, it's your left hand. Let the dog bite that. Ideally, you then force your fist down the dog's throat and suffocate it. But failing that, you then attack it with your free arm. <laughs> this is such like. I didn't I, know whether to believe it. This is like, like I studied the blade for years. Yeah, I also didn't. <laughs> I also didn't know whether to believe someone who DM'd me and said, I, I am trained in dog fighting. Does <laughs> such a thing re- exist? Yeah, should we report him? Uh, me, Probably. Yeah. Me and a few of the lads meet in the Brooklyn tunnels <laughs> with some outstations. <laughs> we just let them go at each other. I liked all the Seinfeld comments about the tunnels as well. Yeah. They were very good. Very, very but good. Something very Kramer coded mm. to this, which I admire. Yeah. So joke yeah. being that they would build their own set of tunnels. Grimmer and Newman. It's very good, that. It is good. There's lots of good content about this. Great start to 2024, those two Oh, stories. 100%. Macropinus, Bass Pro Man, and the tunnels. What, did, what was the word you said before Bass Pro Man? Macropinus. You know oh, the word. Sorry. You know, you, know, don't pre- <laughs> you don't have to pretend you don't know what the word is, Ed. Well, it's usually the pair of micropenis. Is it? Well, I go for the doctor, yeah. 
Oh, is that what you're saying? Yeah. I thought that was like the location of the school. That's what I thought as well. I thought it was a city. <laughs> no. You're saying Macropolis. You're, you're yeah. like the Acropolis. You're not That's not actually how they say it, is it? No, I think they, they say micro. Like it's like micro right? I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be funny. I mean that is funny, Macropinus. If, if you need to, if you need to talk to your doctor on the phone about your Macropinus, it's actually quite a good code. Any other tips? Uh, <laughs> don't, don't use any um don't just attach weights and hope. <laughs> Have you i I know we're trying to finish the podcast. Have you seen that Channel Five documentary about the man with the longest penis in the world? I don't know if I've seen that one, but I've seen something similar. He um it was, it was ba- is it bandaged? Yeah. yeah. Heavily bandaged. Stain. Yeah. He was like hanging on weights off the end of his of his penis, yeah. To try and elongate it. There was a guy with a really big penis who did like a. I can't remember where I read it. He was talking about how um, it's like the biggest burden that ever happened to him. He was like, I've never been satisfied in my life. Yeah, it also must be quite repellent to partners as well. Well, yeah, because when we say that, like, <laughs> I find that. <laughs> yeah. This episode has featured far too many jokes about your genitals. <laughs> Mostly brought by you two. <laughs> Yeah, I think it should be. I think it's good vocab, Macropinus. I call it the Macroave. You have it for free. That's one for you, listeners. This is a New Year's gift. Wait for that. I admit. But should we draw a line under it there? Yeah, this has been unhinged. Thank you very much for listening to the Politics Show podcast. We'll see you on the next one. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.